patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility, the values that define America. Fascinating stories and talks from America-loving patriots dedicated to preserving freedom, opportunity, and justice. Welcome to the Friends and Fellow Citizens Podcast. that time of the year hello everyone and welcome to another episode of friends and fellow citizens episode 111 i'm your host sherman tylowski thank you all for tuning in into friends and fellow citizens really really appreciate you being here as we finish up our final episode of 2022 the holidays are about to roll in I'm very, very excited for going back home to celebrate the Christmas and New Year holidays, and I hope you are having some fantastic plans coming up. Uh, it's just a really great way to wrap up with a an episode, a solo episode about Lewis Morris, who's the next signer from New York to sign the Declaration of Independence. Before we get to our episode, make sure to subscribe to Friends of Fellow Citizens if you haven't already. Uh, we've got incredible episodes coming up for 2023, already working on them as we speak. And I hope that you also check out our merchandise store to find a perfect Friends of Fellow Citizens bug to support the show and as a fantastic gift for your friends and family. So definitely check out the links down in the show notes below to learn more on how to subscribe to our email and to on, on the show and check out those incredible mugs made in the USA. Great quality. Highly encourage them. Great way to enjoy a hot chocolate in front of a fireplace or whatever venue you find most comfortable during the holiday season. Francis Lewis was born in 1713. He was actually born in Wales, but attended a very prestigious school called Westminster School, uh, which is not too far from the Palace of Westminster. He inherited quite a bit of wealth from his family. Uh, he was really very much in the mercantile business and sold all kinds of goods uh, across the Atlantic Ocean and developed a lot of huge connections with other business leaders and other merchants. He was, well, when I say he served, and I don't mean necessarily in, the, in terms of a combat form, but he served as a mercantile agent for the British Army during the French and Indian War. Now, he helped supply uniforms in particular. This was a huge logistical operation, and he certainly had the capital to help support the British. So probably through the these kinds of contracts that he had with the British military, he was able to really make a name for himself and support a logistically costly war and obviously ultimately will lead to the American independence movement. But Lewis was very, very much interested in keeping that business until in 1756, he was actually captured by the French and became a prisoner for seven years, uh, released either in 1762, 1763. And you can imagine, I mean, I kind of wish he had a diary so I could read some excerpts, but you can imagine how challenging of a time this was, reflecting on the the costs of these conf conflicts between major powers over you know, territory, over uh, trade, but he knew that the 
value of perhaps fighting for a cause like this, you know, so you certainly was making money out of it, but maybe the fight for something like this could be a, a bit of a motivator later on. And not to mention that uh, as a prisoner, you can manage the cost towards his family. Uh, he was already married. He married in 1745 to Elizabeth Ansley, who had a connection with one of his business partners or a businessman he knew. And I, I can't imagine, you know, what that kind of that kind of lifestyle is, you know, to have to be in a, as a prisoner and and just hoping that negotiations go well. Ultimately, after prison negotiations between the French and the British, he was released in 1763, and he was actually given 2,500 acres as compensation by the British Crown uh, because of those harsh conditions. Now, if you're Lewis, now if you're probably thinking. Oh, well, this is pretty good. I mean, I've got all this land. I'm now kind of back in the top one percent of the of the colonies there, and you can imagine all, all the kind of money that you could make back again uh, running his business. But the Stamp Act came around, and that one act, that one piece of legislation, where the British Parliament was taxing the colonies on these stamps that you would have to apply on newspapers, playing cards, and others. Uh, which I guess in itself, the stamp was also kind of dumb too, because it represented uh, that uh, the, the, you know the encroachment of the British Parliament on the colonies. Uh, turned out to be a catalyst for for greater protests, and ultimately the cry for no uh, about no taxation without representation. Lewis had that kind of change at heart. He was very very supportive of the British before, and how I mean how could he not with with the kinds of things that he was able to do and, and receive from them. But after learning about the stamp ad and seeing what was going on, he he started to have a change of heart. And this is a pattern that we've seen a lot with these signers, is that they might have been in some kind of fantastic financial and political status. But when something like this happens, where they if you believe that this the system is no longer working for them, and that there it could be a threat for them to lose their property, to lose their rights, to be able to express disapproval of something, uh, they decided to stand up and do something about it and to oppose and to risk a lot of their financial security uh, as well as personal security to pursue a, a what well, that back then was really just an idea an idea of just to declare independence but the the question of what that independence is going to look like was certainly a question Lewis would ultimately really rise up through the ranks of the political system in New York he eventually served in your provincial assembly he was part of the Committee of 60, which uh, really pushed that idea of boycotting British goods. And no doubt, you imagine looking at the numbers every single month and Francis Lewis thinking, oh my gosh, this is it's taking a hard hit, you know, taking a hard hit on his on his business. But, you know, with the boycott, he's certainly depending on kind of seeing how, how that competition is playing out. He, he had moved to Philadelphia when he was in his 20s from the UK. And so he really built a, a lot of just a huge foundation for for the business. And so it'd be curious to kind of see kind of some of the numbers and and how the boycott affected him, and particularly if he was already now fully based in in the colonies and with that with you know perhaps less competition because of the boycott. Uh, it might be interesting to see how his business played out there. But anyway. Uh, Lewis was uh, as, serving as a delegate. Uh, he, was, well, he was appointed as a delegate to the Continental Congress in 1775. He would serve 
until 1779. And obviously, as I mentioned earlier, he is the next signer from the colony of New York, signed the Declaration of Independence. Now, Morris was also very much involved in uh, admiralty and of maritime. And while there's not a, whole, not a whole lot of detail I can offer here in this episode here, I just haven't found a whole lot. But he was the chairman of the Continental Board of Admiralty in 1779. Uh, the U.S. has a huge history of, of admiralty and of maritime, and it certainly runs through my family too, and my uh, through my my dad. And he, uh, this, I think, is a really interesting thing to to explore further, a really key subject to understanding the history of America, the power of America, too. And these people like Francis Lewis, who really elevated some of that um, in, in the politics of the Continental Congress. A little bit more about his family. Uh, he had a son, Francis Lewis Jr., who helped open uh, another business, and his son, Morgan, uh, served in the Continental Army and ultimately actually became a governor of New York State. So the politics really does run pretty strongly in the Lewis family. Now, a story that I like to share with all of you is, is it's something very pertinent to understanding why we are here where we are about the, the signers and, and why it's so critical to understand these sacrifices you see, in 1776, the fall in the fall, the British were approaching New York. The British Navy had a whole lot of firepower with them, and one of the targets they had was was someone who, at that time, might maybe not a lot of people like would understand why. But to, to the British, probably was not only a strategic element, but because because of his uh, of of Frank Lewis's signing, they knew they had a target that they wanted to destroy. And they fired upon Francis Lewis' estate in Whitestone, New York, which is in present-day Queens, and was completely destroyed by mortars. The sad thing is not just the fact that his beloved estate was destroyed. Uh, His wife, who was not in the best health, was captured by the British, and she was put in some of the harshest conditions you can imagine. They didn't allow her a change of clothes. They barely gave her any food and water and medications, probably put her in some kind of solitary confinement. I mean, it was just an awful, awful episode. Uh, I couldn't believe when I read this. Um, I knew that we've, and we've seen instances of, uh, of some of the signers losing fortunes, but to lose, you know, the, the ability, the time that you have with your family, that probably is the biggest cost to Francis Lewis. Unfortunately, the, the imprisonment really took a toll on Elizabeth, um, and even though she was released two years later in 1778 due to a prisoner ex- exchange, but she shortly died after because of the complications and the toll it had on her health. And this story really resonates with me because, as we'll see later on with some more signers, you'll see a whole wide array of just some of the cruelest things that the British did towards the signers. It goes back to this idea of what happens when you sign something like the Declaration of Independence. The how how big of a deal that was. I mean, no, knowing that the odds were not probably not in your favor, knowing that your family and your fortunes were at risk. But this is why we call the Sacred Honor series, is because at the end of the Declaration of Independence, all of them pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Getting involved in this broad coalition of people who didn't like the British and wanted something different and new and better, 
is a sacrifice that we we still reflect on today. Francis Lewis uh, afterwards, I don't think could have, could really have served in a lot of different capacities. Um, he did live to be quite a bit longer afterwards, and he passes away in 1802 at the age of 89, which is pretty remarkable. And he had a lot of children who eventually uh, got married to others uh, in, who were very, very influential in different capacities. And you know, Lewis is an example of someone and who, while, while there certainly isn't a whole lot known about the kind of person he was and the kind of character, as opposed to some of the other signers that we've had, what I can tell is that this is someone who was deeply, deeply committed to the cause and was literally willing to give up all that he had. Um, and with this estate that he had in Whitestone, uh, not around anymore, the lesson here, I think, is is really about commitment, about someone who knew the costs of supporting independence and ultimately paying a huge price for it, not with his own life, but still um, that cost to his family. I think it just, it's almost pains you, it almost pains you. But knowing that he is still, uh, you know, someone who people could recognize, uh, while he wasn't very prominent, maybe in, certainly in the same way as others like Madison, Franklin, and Washington were, but he, I think, still remains a very, very important figure in the state of New York's history. I found a very interesting article here, and I didn't really expect to find this, certainly one that within the last decade or so. But in 2011, there was an article from the New York Daily News, and the title says, Francis Lewis' descendants want tribute to Queen's signer of the Declaration of Independence. And the article speaks a little about the the role that Francis Lewis had, and there is some kind of agreement on where the Lewis home was. Unfortunately, a lot of these homes owned by the signers are not around anymore. But one of the descendants said it, it would be nice to see a statue. And, and I found that very, very interesting. And not to mention that we're talking, this is 2011 here. You know, you, you fast forward you know, more than 200 years after his passing, there's still people who care about his, uh, about his honor and his and a tribute to Francis Lewis and what he offered to that community and to that part of New York. So I, I really, really appreciate how there's an article about this and how knowing that even though the city, the, a lot of the signers' homes are not around, but, uh, but knowing that there were people who made their mark on the American Revolution, I think is an extraordinary thing. I want to leave with just a few takeaways here. But the first is we've, we've heard a story now about the sacrifice of of a signer and, and his family. I think it's so important for each and every single one of us to, every now and then at least, find a story uh, that about a sacrifice that an American statesman, veteran, or other hero has made in the past. Uh, one thing that I really enjoy about these stories is that it really brings about that history. It makes history more alive. When you have a story, you have uh, heroes, you have great characters who were able to bring out and bring home some kind of point, some kind of lesson uh, about that story and the importance of sacrifices for greater causes. Last month, we celebrated Veterans Day uh, around the second week of November, and 
And just knowing that there's still people around who can tell you stories of during the times when they fought in combat and just hearing them and seeing how important it is for them to be a community and to get to know their own residents and their own leaders is really an extraordinary thing. I, I don't think it's just a human thing. I think it's a very American tradition. And that tradition has to continue regardless of what generation we have right now. I, it's pleasing It's to see how in some of those Veterans Day parades, I saw some footage from one in Vegas, and just to see young kids, to be able to see these parades and to be able to recall them from later down the line when they were at the parade and when they celebrated Veterans Day, hearing about the stories from their own parents who served in the military, that is really, really, really essential to American democracy and essential to the American story. So I think to find that story, especially at times when we, we may not be motivated to get involved in politics one day or another, learning about these stories, then they can maybe allow us to take a step back and to appreciate some of the things that have been done throughout the course of this country's history. The second thing I would say is, you know, regardless of the, the kinds of principles and ideas you you claim to believe when it comes to, like for example, democracy or of a strong economy or of education, you got to show commitment. And it it sounds obvious, but uh, one thing that I am concerned about is how much is is virtue signaling, unfortunately, become a bit of an epidemic uh, with the rise of social media and uh, and all that. I mean, Lewis Morris was not on Twitter uh, or on Facebook complaining about the British. He was actually literally helping to get involved and uh, and be a legislative leader in the Continental Congress. Now. There's, it's not to say that you, you have to be a leader in Congress to make change, but the point is that this this show of commitment, the showing by doing, is such an essential thing. This is what makes America improve as a country. It's not when we complain on Twitter or on Facebook. It's when we air those grievances, but then follow up with our own actions to to improve some kind of civility, to bring people of different ideas together. During the independence movement, there was a whole lot of disagreement. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't 4th of July barbecues every single day. Like, ooh, they, you know, kind of hoping for, you know, for hoping for independence. No, it was a lot of work. It took so much effort and so much lobbying and connections and fighting on the ground with a musket. You know, some a lot of these, a lot of these Minutemen, as they were called, literally probably just picked up a musket and just started shooting at anyone who was wearing a, a red coat. You know? it, and so, but anyway, just the idea of, of being committed to uh, the kinds of ideals, it, it's hard. It's hard. And sometimes it might feel that it's not that big of a deal. Sometimes people vote and they say, well, you know, I voted, but I didn't feel like I could make a big difference. I, I, I would I would disagree a bit. I think showing that you at least took some kind of action to vote and or to make some kind of difference in your community, as long as anything you shows these values that we hold dear in America about uh, about being gracious, about uh, being grateful, about uh, the idea of being civil as much as we can. That those are ideals that I think could hold us together and glue and keep us firmly within the fabric of American society. And lastly, I think it's a good tie-in with the holiday spirit, which is something we have we should always remember how important family is. 
you know, how this is why I've, uh, as some of you may know, um, after, and certain, with the new schedule, it's a little different. But when we had uh, episodes every week, around that week of Christmas time, I would always have an episode that had nothing to do with politics. And I, and I did that because I believe that we need to be thinking more about not just not just the helping the greater good. I get people I, people want to be involved. They want to get involved in politics. Like I get that. But but to I think we need to achieve uh, this idea of bring back this family structure again. And by bringing this family structure, I don't just mean you know talking about marriage or divorce or um, or having kids or whatever. It, I think it's a lot about the time that we should be spending with our family. I've seen a number of reports of people, especially young people, not spending that time to be able to interact with their children because of maybe busy life schedules, which is understandable. But at the same time, just, you know, trying to, I've seen a lot of young people not make an effort to reach out to family or just have that time to spend time with family over dinner, uh, just even sitting down and talking about, maybe talking about your days, I think could be very valuable. And this connection I have, I think, is really connected back to, you know, the story story earlier today. Now, I'm not sure what Francis Lewis did to try and uh, and help his wife, and certainly uh, it must have been a very difficult time. Probably was right in the middle of those negotiations, prisoner negotiations. Um, and, and imagine how how many sleepless nights he had. But I, that you know, that story I think reminds us of how you know, making ensuring our families are safe, making sure we're checking up on them. Uh, I th- I believe those are inherently American values too. This value of being with family and to take care of them, reassuring them how much we appreciate them, and how certainly as young people uh, we want to build families of our own. Um, the holidays I think remind us that and take a pause, um, allow us to remember why it is that we have a Christmas tree in the very beginning. It's not about the presents. It's not about the necessarily just the decorations. It's about coming together and being a family. And that's what I hope that all of you will have an opportunity to do so later this month. Um, And definitely try as much as you can. Stay out of politics for a little bit. This is not about politics. It should be about that time to spend with family. And hopefully we'll keep that contradiction of celebrating the winter holidays, forgetting about all this, the uh, serious worlds of politics and just taking it all in, celebrating why the holidays are the most wonderful time of the year. And with that, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Friends and Fellow Citizens. I hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy the rest of the winter holiday season. And I look forward to having you back listening to the podcast in January of 2023. In particular, during the holidays, as always, a day in America is always better when we are with our friends, family, and fellow citizens. <laughs>